know if every time you folks hear this song, you dance like the cast from Peanuts. They lean forward, they lean back, they hop, kind of do a little... What is that? It's uh, like it's, a stroke. Yes. <laughs> Patrick McKenna is in the house, and he gained notoriety portraying Marty Stevens, the frenetic head traitor on the television series Traitors, and the lovable and naive nephew Harold on the Red Green Show. His exuberance and talent has been rewarded several times including a double Gemini win at the Gemini Awards, one for Best Performance by a Lead Actor in a Dramatic Series for his work on Traders, and one for Best Performance in a Comedy Programmer Series for his role as Harold Green in The Red Green Show. Patrick set a precedent by winning in both categories, which had never been done before or since, as far as I can tell. He's also hosted the Gemini Awards on two occasions, He's uh, set to star in uh, miniseries Insomnia, which shoots in Russia this summer. He also recurred heavily. <laughs> it just sounds like there's an ointment for that. <laughs> he also recurred heavily over two seasons of Global's medical drama Remedy and recently starred in TVO's drama series Hard Rock Medical. He has made guest appearances in numerous series, including Murdoch Mysteries, Stargate SG-1, ABC's The Music Man, Trudeau, The Listener, Less Than Kind, The Ron James Show, Rick Mercer Report, Little Mosque on the Prairie, Satisfaction, and Saving Grace, just to name a few. He also had roles in the feature films, uh, let's see, uh, Red, Green's Duct Tape Forever, and Writer's Block with Kelsey, uh, Whose Underwear Are You Wearing Today, Grammar, and uh, Everywhere... Uh, John A. I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> the Rivals, uh, Margarita, Sunshine. I don't want to read this anymore. Welcome don't. to the show, Patrick McKenna. Thank you. Boy, that guy's boring. <laughs> what Jeez. a long, boring life he's had. It's kind of like the drive down here from wherever the heck you live. Way up you north. live north of me, man. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, Mount Forest. It's, yeah. I was surprised. I gave myself an hour and a half, and an hour into it. What am I thinking? I'm going to be so late. It's <laughs> that was dumb. I was dumb. Every tree, every car in front of me had a Christmas tree on the roof. It's, you know they're up for a nice drive. Yeah. Look at that. They're in my way. Do you know today, I don't know if it's provincial or federal, but it's national or something. It's Christmas tree day. Oh. They, they declared it because that's the day most people go out and get Christmas tree. Obviously, again. Yeah. And, yeah. and drive in front of Patrick McKenna, I think it's also that day. Are you? Do you, get, do you go nuts as a driver when that stuff happens? Do you get a little weird? I'm better you now. Your clock? I, I, I used to. Uh, I used to do that. Then I was just talking about this with a friend over lunch because I, uh, I was that bad driver everybody hated. But now that I live up north, you just got to take your time, you yeah. know, and kind of factor it in and let people cut in and do around because I just uh, – I've seen way too many accidents. Because I used – I've been on the highway every day for about 40 years because yeah. I lived in Hamilton, worked in Toronto. You're always, always on a highway. So it's just a matter of uh, safety. Um, two things about Mount Forest. One, a casket company, and two, mm. is the first time I met Paul Brandt. Uh, he did a concert there at the Roxy. Oh, Theater. the old Roxy, yeah. That's, it's so old it's gone now. No! Yes, it's a Mennonite uh, savings bank now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so many jokes, so little time. Uh, exactly, right? I think you're Canada's Paul Giamatti. You know what? Uh, oddly enough, uh, I got cast in a film last year, and the guy says, because you're like Paul Giamatti. And I went, well, okay, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. I, you know, I find him a little weird, but he's <laughs> getting me work. I'm going to go with it. Well, I would go with it for sure. <laughs> it's a good weird. Yeah. Which other brilliant character actor came from Hamilton? Oh, geez, there's lots. There's like Martin Short's from there and Eugene Levy's from there. And there's loads. Who are you thinking? Billy Van. Oh, Billy Van, yes. Absolutely Billy Van, yeah. Party game was I grew up on that because we shot we shot uh, Red Green out of that same studio, <laughs> so it was like this. I'm in heaven. And Diana Christie lives in Mount Forest. No, true story. 
Yes, we're the we are the celebrities. We're the honorable celebrities <laughs> up there. Yeah. Wow. Is there like do you do parade marshalling and stuff? Up no, there? not anymore because it's it's a small town. <laughs> Basically, the Mennonites take it over with the buggies. We have a tractor parade in Orangeville at night. Oh, yeah. There's, and then there's the tractor pull. There's, those are other things completely. I went to one of those. That's also a fun introduction to the north. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm in the hamstring pull. <laughs> I pull that thing about once a month. It's not good at all because it's about two inches long. Um, business degree, Sheridan College. Night manager at Second City. Started performing on main stage. Then stand-up comedian, headlining in universities and clubs throughout North America with highlights including... Being the opening act for Dion Warwick and Smokey Robinson. Mm. Um, we had Dion on the show a number of years oh, ago. Did, yeah, very interesting. Ago. Very Absolutely, interesting like she's had an incredible journey. Yeah, it's. But you know, when you're the when you're the opening act, you're also like, and you stand way over there. Yeah, yeah. You go on before her, and then stand way over there. So there was no uh, common air swallowed between you two. Like Only you when in you the passed same... in the atrium on the way. T- I was leaving the gig. She'd be going on. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Patrick Miss Warwick. Uh, 21 years old, you were an actor and getting married. Were you nuts? Very much so, yeah. Once, see, I have ADD, so I do everything fast. I get an idea, I better follow up on it or it's going to be gone. Yeah. So I knew, I knew she was the right girl, so we got married right away. And uh, I got a job as an actor at Second City, so I was like, hey, I'm an actor. Let's, let's do this because I'm going to be on the road. And it's been working out great so far. Let me see if I can <laughs> remember how Steve Smith discovered uh, Harold. You were doing this bit on stage at Second City, yeah. And he came, and he was looking for some, for for people, for, exactly, uh, for characters on his show. Yeah, because his wife. I mean, and those who remember Smith and Smith used to be his, like oh, a yeah. Sunny and Cher type show up here. Am I allowed to say I hated that show? Is That's that okay? okay. That's okay. A lot of people did. Uh, but if you, what's interesting about the show that I looked at later was when if you see the credits, he did everything. everything. Oh yeah, everything. He was the Billy uh, Billy Van of. Uh, oh. He wrote it, directed, produced it, cut it, everything, everything he did in that show. So from that point, he was like, oh, okay, whatever. But then I heard, you know, the Steve Smith guy's in the audience. He wants to talk to you after the show. And he's like, okay, well, you know, we'll see what this is about. And he said, you know, I, I got this new show. My wife wants to stay home with the kids. I've never been on TV by myself. Would you be my wife? Basically. <laughs> basically, it's what it was. It's like, I got this idea for a character. That character you did up there would be really funny, you know, standing beside me because my character just stands still. I went, well, you know, it's a week off work. Let's go shoot it. So we shot, I think we did uh, probably about 13 episodes in one week. Just, we couldn't, we couldn't even have microphones. We had to stay in the chairs. If you see the first season, we're always sitting down because the microphones were hardwired into the chairs. <laughs> really? Yeah. And it's like, well, you hired wow. me to be pelvic thrusting and all this sort of stuff, yeah. but I got to sit in the chair, man. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, good luck. Action. Yeah. <laughs> That's and then it's, weird. It's snowballed. So, and it was kept on the air for 15 freaking years mm-hmm. because the fans, it's like Don Cherry. Yeah. The, the, uh, CBC has tried, I'm sure, many times to get rid of him because he ain't the most PC cat in the world. Mm-hmm. But they, they also know bring in some coin. Yeah. And the fans keep Don Cherry on the air, and the fans kept your show in the air. It was the Red bizarre Green show. because we got, we've been uh, let go from every network in the country. Every one of them. We were on for basically one year. And the high point was when the uh, Air Force was on the air. They had enough power to say, this red-green thing, that should be our lead-in. And they went, oh, no, we've looked at that. We don't want that crazy thing here. And they said, hey, we're Air Force. We want that. So we got on, and then we started holding our own. And they were never our biggest fans, CBC, but they were thrilled that we were bringing in audiences and numbers and all the rest of it. But, you know, you couldn't get a hello out of them in the hallway at all. Really? Oh, yeah. They'd be calling security if you hung around too long. (laughs) Um, 
Wow, now they had uh, George Strombolopoulos on for so many years. Yeah. I mean, wow, come a long way, baby. <laughs> um, funnest characters you you really just resonate with the most? You could just get a drop of a hat. That 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 persona could pop out of you. Harold, yeah, absolutely. Harold, yeah. Uh, yeah. Drunk real estate guy? That was, that was uh, unfortunately, way too easy. <laughs> I, was sur- I was surprised by that because they asked me to do it. And I went, yeah, okay. And then when I did it, like, there was no rehearsal or anything. It's just the Winnipeg Comedy Festival and say, we're shooting at 8 and you're in the audience and you come up and do this speech that you're going to do drunk. And I'm just like, okay. So I s- did it and it was like the audience was reacting. But what you see was the very first time I ever did it. I was like, oh, my God, this came real easy. Yeah. Boy, this being Irish really helps. It's in your DNA. <laughs> you know. Just uh, even to trying to get that straw in your mouth while you're – that was a great bit, man. <laughs> it really was. Um, accents. I saw a clip where you pulled off a pretty decent Scottish accent. You and Sir John A. were having oh, a conversation. Yeah, yeah that's that, yeah, that's another one where you, you turn up on set and someone says, well, what are you going to do and this and that. And I, said, I was thinking of like Scottish, you know, because I read the Galt was Scottish. And they went, okay, go ahead. And I realized I never really thought about how or <laughs> what part of Scotland or, you know, I was, here we go. Action. Oh, I'm Scottish. And then you got to justify and live with that. You know? the, the, the name of your book should be Strap In. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, ADD gets me in so much trouble and so much success is bizarre. You know, because you run into something. You go, I can do that. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I haven't thought of it. I'm, I'm how yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> eventually. Uh, let's. Uh, I don't really. I don't know if we're breaking copyright rules, and I don't really care because no one listens to this show. Um, <laughs> let's have a little listen to uh, to a character that we're all pretty familiar with. <laughs> They're not there for the bacon slicer. That's the overflow crowd from the real estate agency next door. Yeah, nobody cares about how well you can slice bacon or shave ham. Really. What a world. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. The movie start right up here. You know, what happened is, you know that uh, cottage that Kevin Black built up on uh, Bluffs Point? Yeah. Oh, Hollywood star bought it. Hollywood? Like like Hollywood? Yeah, as in Frederick's of. Wow. <laughs> it's fantastic. A Hollywood star right here in Possum Lake. And the rumor is it's like Tom Hanks or Tom Cruise or Sandra Bullock. Oh, Harold, come on. Relax. They're just people, Okay. Movie stars are no different than anybody else. I don't know why everybody has to treat them special. Like if Sandra Bullock comes up to you on the street, what would you do, Harold? Girl, me, boy. And, uh, it's Mel Blanc. And she, you know. See? That's good. You'll just be yourself. <laughs> um... Living under the shadow of of Harold. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's in the beginning, it's weird. I think it's harder for my son to be the son of Harold. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but for me, it was it was a real interesting journey because you're the ultimate victim in every joke, right? So when we go down for PBS, where the show was huge, you were like that. Um, that uh, guy at Disney World really wanted to run up and punch Goofy. Yeah. You know, for something about those <laughs> those costumes, people just want to punch them. I was like that, where people would run up and they'd push you and shove you and punch you and this and that. Because somehow my character was so inferior, it made even the weirdest person feel superior. Yeah. So th- that's what I suddenly felt about everybody needs to f- a victim and a joke. And Harold was the ultimate victim. It was very strange that way. Because I could stand beside Steve after show and have my glasses off and this and that. And they had no idea it was me. No. They go, oh, that Harold guy, blah, 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 blah. And you kind of go, I'm, yeah. I'm all Harold. Sudden, all of a sudden, Richard Krauss walks by. Exactly. And, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, and there's also the dark side, and uh, I'm here now. <laughs> it, was, it was so strange. I was talking to a publicist yesterday. Yesterday, who has worked with um, 
Tina Louise for forever, oh, yeah, yeah. who played Ginger. Ginger on Gilligan's Island. I have the poster in my room. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, but it's on the backside of Farrah. Um, so <laughs> who wasn't? Who anyway? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so anyway, that was so quick. Uh, what the heck was they saying? Jose. So uh, Jose. I think I said Jose. Tina Louise. Tina Louise. Right. And um, and she doesn't like she doesn't like talking about Ginger. She doesn't. Now, by the way, speaking of Ginger, how old do you think Ginger is? I'm guessing she's probably about 70 now. 81. Oh. oh. See, that's a whole other dream. That's a completely <laughs> other... <laughs> i got to let down. so many things go ah. now. 70 I could have lived with for a little <laughs> yeah. while yet. 81. I'm going to hurt somebody. <laughs> oh, oh, that's dear. so funny. Okay. Um, having starred in the miniseries Trudeau, uh, Patrick McKenna, do you think the taxpayers should pay for his nannies? Yes. Okay. Moving he's a, along. He's our prime minister, of course. I don't know. I yeah, I, you know, it's one of those. I, I was surprised that people, he, yeah, he gets that covered. He also gets his house paid for, and there's someone driving his car, too. Yeah. You know, we can pick him. Let's like, compare. Yeah. Well, let's start with comparing the salaries between the president of the United States and the prime minister of Canada. Holy heart attack. I know. It's like an actor between America and Canada. He <laughs> yeah. kind of thinks that you're, <laughs> oh, you must be a millionaire. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, not yeah, so much. Uh, speaking of millionaires, Richard Dean Anderson. Yes. What a jerk. You know Richard? No, I wish I did because I I had a kind of a man crush on the guy. Like I MacGyvered my life. My life is yeah. one big roll of duct tape. He's amazing. You know, to, and to, really to think about how much duct tape has been in your life. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh, try and go to a hardware store and buy duct tape when you're me. <laughs> I got to send my son in or my wife. You know, it's like we got to wear a hood. <laughs> Here comes the Unabomber exactly. buying duct tape again. Um, who do you like better? Richard Dean Anderson, Colin Mockery, or Rick Mercer? Oh, wow. Um, Colin's been a friend for 30 years. Rick is the most amazing, wonderful guy. Richard I only worked with a few times. So, the, Richard, do you like less? The least. of He's yeah, number yeah. three. Yeah. The, there's a good story about that. I don't know if you've seen the episode, but there was a part where I did a couple episodes. And one, he wasn't being of uh, Stargate. Never so, heard of it. Never heard of that one? No. Richard yeah. Dean Anderson stars in it. Very popular with the right, kids. Right. And uh, he was being, you know, not very friendly to me on set. Uh-huh. So uh, I had this part where I was supposed to run up and hug him because he appears on the planet to save me and this kind of thing. And they said, so you just run up and you, and you hug Richard. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, is that okay with you, Richard? I'm going to give you a hug. He goes, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So, okay, great. Action. And I run up, and I climbed up him like a monkey gibbon up a tree. I would not let go of that guy. I was climbing over his shoulders. He's screaming and pushing and twisting and turning the whole thing. I went crazy climbing on him. He said, you were just supposed to hug me. I went, well, you know, whatever. You said it was okay. <laughs> that's funny. That was my way of getting back keep it? Oh, yeah, that's in the show. You'll see that. Yeah, I'm climbing fantastic. up on that. Uh, Colin was on our show a little while ago, Tim. I don't know yeah. if you realize that oh, or yeah, not. I remember when you did that to me. This is Colin's biggest fan. Oh, a little oh. creepy. And we booked him for our show a little while ago. Uh, by the way, Colin and I have the same birthday, I just remembered. Oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday Colin. Very yep. And Colin uh, said, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to come down to the studio if you want. I said, no, nah, I just stay at home do it over the phone in your pajamas. <sighs> Junior over here lost his mind yes. because I said Colin stay at home. Yeah, you that's know? so. But, he's but I made you come now. down. Yeah, so it's hey. all good now. Hey? Yeah. Huh? One, one all. I feel bad about telling that story now. Um, this, no, no, don't. This, Colin's a great friend. We, we party together all the time. He's a great guy. We grew know, up in Second City together. He was there when I was doing the Herald character, uh, so that's the time we were there. Right, right, right. Yeah. I've run into him at a number of functions and, and at the airport a couple of times. Sure. He's on the same flights down there. He pretty much LA. lives there, I think. He does. Like, yeah. He's down there a lot, man. Yeah. 
Uh, and it just, you know, I'm nobody. For him to remember me is it just a, it shows a sign of character, yeah, right? So I expect you to decent, be decent like man. that when I come, come to Mount Forest <laughs> for the tractor parade. <laughs> no promises, I'll say. Uh, um, back injury. Couldn't walk for a year. Mm-hmm. What happened? Uh, too many stunts in the Red Green show. Uh, it really was. <laughs> Are I, you kidding me? No, no. There was times where, I, you know, you see me falling out of things. I'm falling for real. It's it's. So I just got hurt, and I had to go in and have some surgery done on uh, just a you know simple bulge disc kind of thing like guys get. But during the surgery, I got one of those hospital staff infections. And that's what that's what killed me. I was Which staff out. gave you the infection? I oh. think all of them. I think they all got in there and went, hey, that's the Herald guy. Let's all, let's all touch where we shouldn't. You think a hamburger would infect that? Should we, put, we shouldn't put the hamburger in. Should we take that out? A little bit of pork? It was a little bizarre because I woke up and was like, what's going on? I said, well, it seems you won't be able to walk anymore. What? I was, I, just came, I was supposed to be a day operation. Yeah, it's a long day. It's going to be a long day. So that was about a year. I was in a wheelchair and learning to walk and therapy and all those things again. And it was a long time. But through that, I've, I've met, like, wheelchair athletes. So I've been involved now with different um, charities and functions like that that it just it opened other doors. So, you know, the other side is that I am walking. There's those days where you think, hey, if I can't ever walk again, I don't know what I'm going to do. But it's, you know, the, the sunshine, and I got to. And uh, because of that, I, I make sure I get involved with as much as I can that way now. Do you, I can only imagine when you're when – you're, laid up like that i mean that's serious crazy stuff that doesn't just play with your body that's got to play with your mind and with your soul and with your identity as a man and very much future and job and just everything yeah did you not go into some funk yeah you're you're always on the verge of uh, some weird depression the nice thing is you're so stoned that you often forget (laughs) yes and so you start again the next day with the whole thing of you know it's like groundhog day and, and all that I would wake up and I'd say, where's the guy in the bed beside me? You know, was, there was, that guy was there. I said, well, he left like three days ago. Like, oh, well, where did he go? Well, he had to leave. You were such an idiot. So I was an idiot? Oh, yeah, he couldn't stay in the room with you anymore. Shut up. Are you serious? I, I was on this Percocet, and I guess when I was on Percocet, I was just a real mean son of a guy. You were like Richard Dean Anderson. Very much so. <laughs> That's some good stuff, Percocet. It can be, yeah, it's very uh, I can't keep it down. Really? Oh, I puked that stuff. Is up that so right? Yeah. Oh, man, I took to it real well. I thought. <laughs> guy beside me didn't think so. No, but, no. Uh, no, I, it, was, it killed the pain, but uh, you know, it also killed any friendships. This, this character actor thing I keep coming back to with you. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. who you are. That's Absolutely. You, right? I Absolutely, don't want to yeah. you know, put labels on you. No, you, no, that's what I do, yeah. But I find I have the most genuine conversations with character actors. I had uh, lunch recently. This isn't such a name-droppy thing to do here, but I had lunch recently at... Uh, at uh, Al's, is it Al's? Now something uh, where Larry King has breakfast every morning in Hollywood. Uh, uh, Nate and Al's, oh, I think. Okay, okay, think, yeah. Uh, with Stephen Tobolowski. Do you know who that is? Uh, remember Groundhog Day? Yeah. Remember uh, the, the guy who runs up to him? Right? Yes, 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 Ned? yes. Ned? yes. You see him in every everything. He's in Californication. Now. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So we had the most amazing two-hour conversation, and I just find something about character actors that. I guess that's what makes them character actors. Yeah. They're they're able to tap into the reality of humanity, and and re- they're so relatable on so yeah. many levels. Well, there was a time when I was younger where you know you're going out for leading roles and things like that, and then you get a couple, and you realize they're way more limiting than the ca- than the character roles. Because right. if you're playing the hero, you can only make the choices the hero can make. Right. The character actor can make all the mistakes. He can make good choices. He can make bad choices. Funny choices. They're just way more. To, to dive into and bathe in and have fun with. But the hero, you just got to walk this straight line all the time. Same choices, same reactions. Yeah. So for me, in an ADD, it didn't fit very well. It's like, I'm, I'm going to bust into something, so you might as well you know, hire me. And you don't me. get typecast. 
No, you know, I, I was at a party actor. recently and I, with a director that I that I really like, and he goes, you know, you're the hardest guy to cast because because of the acting and the, the comedy and the drama, yeah, yeah, they yeah. go, we don't know where to put you. Mm. And it's like, well, just <clears throat> pretend I'm an actor and I can do either one. How does that help you at all? You yeah. know, because I have a theory about comedy actors. I think they make the best dramatic actors. There's uh, something yeah. about comedy breaking through that dramatic. They people who are good at comedy are, are incredible. Like, like you know, Will Ferrell. No, no, no. I'm talking about people like you know Robin Williams, Tom Hanks. Got to okay. start yeah. a sitcom. Yeah. No, I, I mean you, mean you know uh, De Niro's can be hilarious yeah. in some of those movies. And and the more dramatic actors I work with, they do find that because uh, being funny is so subjective, and it's very hard for people to take that risk. But being vulnerable is harder for uh, a comedian. But really, when you're de- especially if you've done stand up, hmm. you've bombed, you've walked into any type of room, and you go, I have to be in charge of this room. That's my job. So you learn to adjust and be those things. You can be serious, you can be tough, you can be fun, all those things. And I think character actors <coughs> and comedians walk that line where you're, you're just more in tune with those type of things. You, you get to play with, especially if you're telling a good joke, you have to have sympathy before you deliver the twist. Right. You know, so you just examine those moments a little bit longer to find out, I can't be funny yet. Got to push. I got to suck them in yet. And now. <laughs> so you, you do find it's those like emotions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the biggest <laughs> comedy going. <laughs> One night only. <laughs> oh, too funny, man. You're just weird. <laughs> Attention deficit. Uh, Boy, your hair looks good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have so many questions, and we just don't have enough time to get into this. And I know you get into this a lot in interviews, but um, let's see. I, I guess what I really want to ask you about this is if you could do life again, start over again, and not have it, what would your choice be? You know, it's for me, I would have it simply because my life is – I'm really happy with my life. Uh, I've made choices, not knowing I had ADD, I've had choices that have led me to a very, that were ADD friendly. Uh, if I was sitting in a cubicle all day, it would be really, really hard. And that would be, then I'd probably say, I wish I didn't have it. But my current lifestyle, I'm fine with it. And that's yeah. what I say to ADD people when they say, well, I don't want to go on medication. You may not need it. If your lifestyle is working for you, cool, keep, keep swimming. But if it's frust- frustrating and you're, you're divorced and this is happening and you're fighting with people and you're late on your taxes, maybe you need some kind of adjustment. <laughs> I, um, I has it had an impact on your marriage, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like a negative impact. Um, <laughs> Other than, oh, our sex life is <laughs> quite varied. Yeah. Uh, I can try that. Yeah. Uh, it it does, and I'm very lucky that my wife uh, didn't know what I had, but she knew that I was kind of eccentric anyway. Being an actor, you kind of you're already in the game of things are going to be different. So I think that helped a lot, where she could roll with things. It's frustrating when, you know, uh, Canada Revenue's on line one, you know, yeah. <laughs> the lawyer's on line four, and this and that, and where's the keys? And those type of things, I, I frustrate her a lot. And then there's the, the danger is becomes that suddenly you're the child and you're married to your mother, and at some point you realize that's Ooh. sick and i got to get out of this, and marriages end up breaking up. Yeah. So, again, my wife is, uh, she's pretty amazing, and she's been rolling with it for a long time. Our son has it as well. So the vocabulary is there now to, to how to help. But because I've been thrown into this world of ADD and, and I do a lot of lectures for high schools and school boards and things, it's always the same complaints of how do you get, finding that mate who gets you and doesn't want to change you. And that's, that's in any relationship. It's not ADD specific. You know, with a name like Patrick McKenna, Patrick McKenna, you must have grown up with some kind of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph stuff. A little bit. A little bit. Yes. Uh, all, of, all of the above. <laughs> Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and Patrick, get in here. (laughs) 
Because nice. when you're ADD, you have a lot of personalities, you and you've got to call them all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard about the McKenna brothers from Hamilton. Is it true that your uh, older brother made it so that you weren't actually allowed to go to the Catholic school? Yes. Yes, he went to a Catholic high school, and he was so disruptive that when it was my turn to go next, Come they on. went, no, you're, you'll have to go to the next district. So I went to the public school, and they wouldn't let my little brother in to go to the public school there. So he had to go to the one, the next district over. Were you, were you a legit rat bag? No, I was, uh, again, I go to the ADD. I was the extroverted class clown without actually being funny. I was disruptive. I would interject, and every now and then it would be like, if I'm going to do this, I better start being funny because I'm just getting in trouble. So that started like you get, you know, someone said you should do theater, and it's like, uh, yeah, I'm not doing uh, stage with tights and stuff. That ain't going to happen. So a guy, one of the teachers, this is when you can do these things back in grade 10, he took me to see Second City in Toronto. And I went, oh, that's what I want to do. Yeah. That's, I get it now. He goes, that's theater as well. I was like, oh, my God, improvisation and ADD. How fantastic. You're not responsible for anything you say or do. This is great. <laughs> Man, and they're going to pay me? I'm in. And it took That's me a few years to get there. That's why I took business and stuff. I thought I'll open my own comedy club because no one will ever hire me. Yeah. But while I was there, I had to take placement. So I started working the door at Second City at night so I could watch the show, learn how to do the books, and open my own place. They had a cattle call audition, ADD. I ran up on stage. By the end of the afternoon, Mike Myers and I were the only two that got hired. Really? I was like, well, here we are. I'm an actor. Okay. Wow. This is it. <laughs> Away we go. <laughs> um, what, I, what I find amazing is, um, uh, you know, you have this big, well, sorry, it's a horrible setup to the, what I want to talk about here, but, uh, you know, you have this Catholic background, mm-hmm. and now you're in this pretty overt Jesus movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, that's the question I had with Stephen Tobolowsky was, you know, what's a nice Jewish boy like you doing in a movie like this? Right. Um, and I... And, and uh, Diane Carroll is also mm-hmm. in this. Um, and I watched it the other night. And, um, you know, I have a fairly good cheese radar. Uh, and I look for it with Jesus films. Because usually nine times out of ten, it's just horrifically covered in it. Yeah. I actually watched the whole stinking thing. <laughs> the whole stinking thing? The whole <laughs> stinking cheese. I, I watched it all. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, obviously, <laughs> the, you know, it's still got a... A different vibe to it, and and but I, I I I went in with this is going to be crap, and came out with ah this is good. Yeah, it that was an interesting part of it because the the director approached me and he said we got this role for you and blah blah. You know, when someone approaches you with a free gig, that yeah. you don't have to audition for and everything. It's like yeah, okay, I'm I'm sort of there, and let me read the script. And he said, you know, we're focusing more on the fact that this guy has to make these different choices, not that it's a Christian film or anything else. It's the fact of the choices he has to make. Right. And I said, okay, let's let's work with that then. And the crew that I met, you know, they kept saying, you know, this is a Christian film, but it's not necessarily a Christian set. You know, don't don't worry, you're making a movie. Here, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the story will become, will tell the way a story has to be done. Edit it a certain way, as you say. There's times where you go, okay, here we go. It's getting a little heavy-handed here. You pull back and this and that. And, yeah. But the wrestling sequences and all that, suddenly it opens it up to a whole other audience that wouldn't even look at these films yeah. and even have the discussion. Yeah. Well, Roddy Piper is in it. Yeah. And, of course, he passed away recently. Yeah. And uh, uh, tough. Not our fault. No, no, okay. I'm, I'm just saying the movie wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, no, the movie was not that okay. bad. Yeah, it's quite crazy. Um, but what? But wrestlers are. I mean, just they're weird and jerks. They're well, just jerks. You know, it was so weird because I wanted to make fun of them. But they're all standing around, you know, and they're all wearing their costumes and this and that. You realize, I can't make fun of them. I'm wearing costumes and stuff, too. We're all selling something different. They just happen to be like six foot eight and 300 pounds and 
like the muscle and the tension in these guys were amazing. They're egotistical jerks. Huge. All of them. Huge. All of them. And I had to buy into that because, you, you know, that you go, they think the whole movie's about wrestling. I think it's about every, me. Dude, you know. every wrestler I've inter- ever interviewed, a complete jerk, right? <laughs> Just an absolute. Seriously. And, and I think one of the issues is, is, um, well, why are you playing this? Uh, you, uh, I, I, I don't understand why you're playing this music. Sorry. Is there someone on the phone? I don't know. I don't understand. Don't Hello? Hello? Jerk, huh? Yeah? Uh, jerk. Who's calling? Uh, who's Drew, calling? Drew Marshall. It's the Million Dollar Man. The, the jerk. You know, the big dumb wrestler. You are such a putz. Why would you call in right now? Ted DiBiase, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the Million Dollar Man on the phone with us. A good friend of Roddy Piper's from so many years ago. Uh, listen, I want to introduce you to another new friend of mine. Uh, Mr. Patrick McKenna is here in the studio. Patrick, this is Ted DiBiase. Do you remember? The, did you watch Oh, yes. Her? I grew up. Absolutely. So would you, you knew the Million Dollar Man. Absolutely. Yes, I grew up in Hamilton, so you went through the Forum Wrestling and Kitchener Wrestling on CKWW up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Ted, thank you for interrupting this interview with your yourself. (laughs) Now, you remember, Ted, he said you were jerks. I think you're wonderful people. (laughs) (laughs) He's sucking up already. Uh, He could be in the parking lot. I don't know where he's phoning from. He is in the parking lot. He's going to meet us afterwards. Hey, Ted, uh, when was the last time you and Roddy Piper ever had any connection, any talk, contact? Uh, You know, the the last time that I actually uh, got to visit with Roddy was at an autograph signing, uh, like a Comic-Con down in uh, uh, San Antonio, Texas. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a few months before he passed. Roddy was just a, you know, he was just a great guy. I mean, you know, um, Roddy was a guy, uh, uh, very intense, um, in terms of his devotion to his, whatever he did, whether he was in the ring wrestling or whether he was doing a, a movie, uh, um, you know, like, like me, I'd like to think I'm the same way. And most fans, uh, tell me that I'm very hospitable to them. Uh, I, I've always appreciated the fans, and so did Roddy. You know, he always went out of his way, took his time for for people because without the people, who are we? You know, so uh, there was no, uh, you know, he wasn't one of those big, uh, hey, I'm a star, look at me type of guys. No, he was uh, fantastic he was, on he, set too. He, he took yeah, it all he, the time. He really was good, Greg. Yeah. So same kind of guy on set. Very much. There was a lineup every day for for autographs and to meet him, and he stood there through his entire lunchtime. And just signed autographs, took pictures, hugged people. He was so gracious with his time. He was wonderful. Um, I just want to give the rundown here, folks. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, the movie is called The Masked Saint. The Masked Saint. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, it is going to be released soon, I think. Is it January not? 8th, yeah. Yeah. And I watched it this week, Ted. You've been sent a screener. I'm sure you'll watch it soon. But, uh, of course, stars Patrick McKenna and uh, Roddy Piper and uh, Diane Carroll. Um, quite an eclectic group, as we say in the business. Yeah, you know? very much. I, I was very surprised when I walked on set because you know because Diane Carroll was somebody that I certainly grew up with. She was another poster on the room, <laughs> and, you know, and you get to meet that the, the person. And she was again very gracious, and uh, you know she's senior now, so she takes her time differently. And to watch an American star <clears throat> the way she handled herself with such yeah. grace. And uh, diplomacy on set. It was a, it was a great environment to be around. Well, the Mass Saint follows the journey of former professional wrestler Chris Samuels, who retires from the ring to settle down as a small town pastor. When the pastor witnesses rampant problems in the community, he decides to moonlight as a masked vigilante fighting the injustice. 
While facing crisis at home and at the church, the pastor must evade the police and somehow reconcile his secret, violent identity with his calling as a pastor. Inspired by true events in the life of Pastor Chris Whaley, The Masked Saint is based on the highly popular book of the same name by Whaley. Ted, um, have you ever been in a movie, Ted? Has that ever happened to you? I know you're kind of a big well, deal, but have you ever been in a movie? No, the only the only movie I was ever in, I you know, if you went back and watched the movie, you'd, you'd watch the whole movie and go, "Where were you?" <laughs> like <laughs> I flashed across the screen, screen so fast you, you'd have missed it. I, uh, I I had a very I was like uh, kind of like the background thing uh, uh, movie that Sylvester Stallone did right after the first Rocky. Uh, it was called Paradise Alley. Huh. Uh, it was a, a wrestling story about uh, these brothers that came out of Hell's Kitchen in New York and, you know, like the old club wrestling and uh, kind of like who's king of the hill. And one of the brothers uh, whose job was he was literally an ice man, you know, like they, when they used to carry the ice, and put him in what we yeah. call the ice box, yep. you know. Uh, and because he had a such, because he did that as a, a for a living, he had this enormous grip. And so his, 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 his finisher was this, this, unbelievable grip he'd put on, on people. So anyway, but that was the basic story. It was a, a story about them getting out of Hell's Kitchen and, uh, you know, using the, the, the youngest brother to get them out type of thing. But anyway, there's a there was a montage scene where, you know, they, they show this progression of time where he starts off and then he goes through all of these different opponents. I was one of those. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, Patrick, have you ever spoken with a professional wrestler prior to Roddy Piper, working with Roddy Piper in this movie? Not that I know of. Uh, no. But you remember growing up, Andre the French Giant, Absolutely. wrestling the midgets, the yeah. Sheik with the camel clutch. Oh, yes, the camel clutch. Yeah, that's, when we, that's a good one for the brothers where you sit on the back and pull the chin up. And, Dude, oh, my, yeah. the, my bully in school did that to yeah, me. Well, sat got, on my back and pulled my... my that, that was horrible. That was horrible. It was real because I kept thinking, this camel clutch thing's real. It's it's legit. Yeah. <laughs> that and the torture of February where you put a blade of grass up someone's nose oh. when you sit on their chest. Not a great wrestling move, because... <laughs> But, you know, you have to have a grass skirt with you, and, you know, it's a whole other costume. But just saying, there's some good ones out there. That <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Well, Ted, uh, what's going on with you? Well, you got to say goodbye here, but is there something? Are you going to be coming up to Canada here soon? You do a lot of speaking. You're traveling a lot. Um, you're, you're an actual legit minister, which scares the hell out of me. i got to be honest. Yeah, well, I don't know. I hope. You know, I hope it doesn't scare everybody because it just scares them and they won't come. But okay. I'm actually uh, uh, I'm down in uh, Savannah, Georgia, and I'm um, I'm actually going to uh, make an appearance tonight at an independent wrestling uh, event uh, that's being done to raise money for Toys for Tots, uh, which is a you know it's like a fundraiser that the that the Marine Corps does every year to raise toys for purpose children and then uh, tomorrow I'm, I'm speaking at a local church here and then I'll be then I'll be heading home and that's my last my last uh, speaking engagement for the year uh, but yeah I am I you know I've, I've had to look at my calendar because I got a lot of stuff going on next year but I, I know I am coming to Canada uh, you know, I, I should I should apply for dual citizenship. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. You're up here a lot, man. Well, listen, I, I just want our listeners to know a couple things. First of all, 
you've been on our show a number of times, and you and I have great conversations on and off the air. And uh, I th- we first met doing that television show a number of years ago. Uh, Ted, you, you're just always so gracious whenever I ask you to come on the show. I want to thank you for jumping on again today. Um, and I want people to go to your website and uh, think about even booking you as a speaker up, up this way. Uh, TheMillionDollarMan.com, is that what it is? MillionDollarMan.com uh, is one site. The other one is HeartOfDavidMinistry.com. Okay, man. So, uh, you know, there's lots of information on both those sites, and thank you very much. Ted, and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> Ted, I appreciate your guts. Happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Yeah, have, have a wonderful Christmas, uh, and uh, uh, Happy New Year, too. He hates really? that I said Hated me for yeah. saying that. Hates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're such a tea partier. We'll talk to you soon, dude. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk politics next time. I can really No, you. there's no way you're coming on this show talking about politics. Not a chance. That'll be my last show. Oh, man. All right. All right, see Love you, Ted. You, Love you, too, man. See you, dude. Guy gives huge hugs, massive beast. Patrick, um, I I thank you for making the big drive down. Oh, I wanted to, to kind of surprise you there, having uh, having uh, uh, Ted DiBiase That's great. On, the, on the show. They, they are amazing people, and you know, they. I was meant to ask Ted because Ronnie wasn't overly large; like he was big in the chest and all that. But I was yeah. just wondering how he would compare to people when they'd walk into the ring, what they would first think of him. Because he he's a guy you could pass in the street quite easily and kind of go, oh, he's a "Stocky man, yeah, but, you <laughs> know, husky, husky." He probably wears husky jeans, yeah. but you know. <laughs> That's about it. GWGs. Yeah, I had the pair of those. <laughs> I, I have them now, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but, thanks. There's but, a sale in uh, Mount Forest. It's Tilly, uh, Tilly shook your hand, and then when his hand went halfway up your arm, he realized, oh, okay, oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's of that bricklayer. It was when I saw Ted DiBiase saddle up to a buffet that I went, whoa. <laughs> PatrickMcKenna.ca. PatrickMcKenna.ca is a website for you to go to. And this movie, TheMaskSaint.com. Uh, watch for it. Go, uh, go check it out. Uh, it was it was actually a good movie. I enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed your role because you were a jerk. Man, I wanted to pound you. Good. What an idiot. Yeah. And the reason is, I used to be a pastor, and there are people like that. In, like, this is a true story. Mm-hmm. The character you played, that's the jerk every pastor hates. That's what they told me. It's like, don't, because you, you kind of pull back going, that's a Christian film. They go, no, nope. you have to be this far out in order to make everything else, because these guys are real. Yeah, it's a true story. Yeah. All right, folks, that's the end of our show. Thanks for tuning in. A special thanks to Patrick McKenna and, of course, the girls from uh, Days of Our Lives, Judy Evans and Jen Lilly and uh, the Weebs who are still here. I wish they'd gone, but they're still here. Uh, thank you to them for singing, being our musical instruments uh, today, and uh, Linda Stewart and Tim the Tool and Alex the intern and uh, folks uh, tune in next week there'll be something good and don't forget if you don't sin Jesus died for nothing bye bye it's a lot of fun